Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... It is easy to leave a burning building when it is on fire. But what if that building contains the very thing that gives you life, excitement, peace, joy, courage, and wonder? Will you be an agent of change or do nothing and eventually leave? If you work in Catholic ministry, business, or education and need quality content on your website or social media pages, contact The Simple Catholic for copywriting services at thesimplecatholic.blog and click on the Writing Services page for more information. The Church Militant Needs Soldiers Against the Enemy. Enlist the Simple Catholic in this fight for the truth. Good News Ministries of GNM.org It's the Catholic place for growing your faith. Good News Ministries will provide you with faith-building reflections, virtual retreats, prayer resources, and lots more. All of it is free. Visit gnm.org today. This is the Padua Podcast Network. You know, saints never think that they're becoming saints. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, they're in that that place in their spiritual life where they've given themselves so much to Jesus that it's Jesus living in them and his truth living in them in those moments. And it's just like, well, this is the truth. And we're just going to stand for the truth and not think of the consequence. Thriving in the Trenches. It's the podcast where you will hear stories from real people with real purpose, all for a God who loves us with a real love. The Trenches, where life isn't always easy, but it is a place for women to be encouraged and equipped to uniquely and universally serve Christ in their feminine vocation. So, together, let's go deeper in our faith in God, in His church, and in our friendships. You are welcome here. another episode. I'm so glad to have each and every one of you here with me, uh, rolling into the fall and into the winter. And as the seasons change, um, our lives are always changing. And I hope that you are seeing the Lord in your life. I hope that you are seeing that he really is, he really is present, even though the leaves have fallen and everything looks barren. And if that's how your life feels right now, then I pray um, that the Lord reveals himself in a very big way for you today um, as you listen to this podcast. Um, I really love this episode and um, the guest really does a great job of sharing with us about love. Um, of course, we know that there are different types of love, agape love, um, just brotherly love, and then um, the intimate love that we have with a spouse. But today's guest is Rochelle Lucero, and she really shares with us her journey of love before she fell in love with Christ, after she fell in love with Christ, and in that process of what was happening to her interior self, and then when she was ready to fall in love with her spouse, her earthly spouse. And Rochelle is super educated and I love the way she brings in theology into how um, she relates her story, how she relates her relationship and journey with the Lord and really kind of brings to light some of those bigger words that we may struggle with understanding and applying them in our 
in our own lives. Uh, Rochelle was cute. She said, well, that's not exactly how I thought that podcast was going to go. But when we were talking about what our subject would be specifically, I just kept coming up empty handed. And I said, Rochelle, can we trust the Holy Spirit that he is going to take our conversation where he's asking it to go? And of course, she's a great trooper. And she said, sure. (laughs) I don't know if she was really nervous about that or not, but um, she did a marvelous job. Of course, uh, Rochelle is also a fellow podcaster. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, Rochelle before we get started. She is a speaker and she is the podcast host of Clumsy Theosis. And if you've not checked it out, it is really good. She does take some bigger, loftier, philosophical theology uh, ideas and terms. And she really does do a great job of making them where we can understand them and apply them in our own lives. So I, I encourage you to, to check into that. But um, Rochelle says she strives to manifest the Lord's command in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, and that's to go and make disciples of all nations. Um, after returning to faith, Rochelle earned a master's degree in theology and Christian ministry from Franciscan University of Steubenville. As the founder of Clumsy Theosis Ministries, Rochelle's mission is personal transformation of the faithful through a life of theosis that will transform the world and expand the kingdom of heaven. On her podcast, she achieves this by taking 2,000 years of Catholic goodness, drawing from the great minds and spiritual masters, boiling it down to give practical advice to 21st century Christians. Rochelle and her husband, Gary, are active parishioners of their local Byzantine Rite Catholic Church. She has also enjoyed being a part-time theology instructor at the San Diego Diocesan Institute. So, if you go to the website, of course, I'm going to have all the links for you co- for you to connect with Rochelle and dig into all the good stuff that she has. But for now, I hope you enjoy our little conversation. Welcome, Rochelle, to the show. Hey, Becky. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, I am thrilled for my listeners to get to meet one of my fellow podcasters and just a wonderful voice um, that's out there treating us with lots of great information, um, with a little variety. And um, I would just like for you to share a little bit with our listeners, you know, kind of that beyond the bio specifics. Just tell us about Rochelle. Yeah, so I guess I'm... So for people that listen to me, a lot of times they'll they'll think that maybe I'm um, an extrovert or or maybe I think that's a common misconception that people have about podcasters or people that are in the media, you know, that we're all extroverts. Um, I'm not. I'm an introvert. Um, I prefer to, like, observe situations and chime in, you know, whenever something strikes me. Um, I don't really like being the center of attention. Um <laughs> I know yeah. the irony, right? Yeah, a little um, bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, for Myers Briggs, I don't know if anyone is into that. I'm an INFJ, um, one of the rarest personality types in the world, apparently, and um, 
I think there's been speculation that it's the same personality type that Jesus would have had. Oh. I don't know. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, if that's true, I'm in great company. Um, I'm married, been married for two years. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary. Uh, we got married on the 100th anniversary of the first apparition of Our Lady of Fatima. Um, it wasn't something that we planned to do. We just picked a date and my husband was like, okay, I want to get married as soon as possible. We have nine months. When is the first weekend? And that was it. And then I looked it up because I was like, I think I should probably figure out what saint day this is so we can start like asking for their intercession. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. (laughs) So it was definitely Mama Mary. She's always had my back. Um, She brought me back to the church, which she does too, you know, with a lot of people. Um, Yeah. So that was just her way of... um, blessing me and giving me just that little extra consolation. That's very cool. So you said that she brought you back to the church. So were you mm-hmm. raised? Were you cradle Catholic? What part of the of the world were you raised? I am from San Diego, California, born and raised, and I am a cradle Catholic. Um, my mom has five sisters, and they all went to Catholic school, um, and then, you know, my, my cousins, a number of my cousins went to Catholic school. My brother and I went to public school. And I, I always said I was a Catholic. And even in my youth and in my early teens, I was um, a very strong Catholic. I really was not catechized at all. Um, I mean, I went to like the CCD and that was just kind of like wishy-washy stuff <laughs> at that time. Um, and my, my mom, you know, she thought that I was getting this good education, you know, at the CCD classes because it was at the church and she had gone to Catholic school. And so she thought, you know, I was getting something similar to what she got when she was younger. But um, going to public school, you you see everything, you hear everything. Um, and so I started to have a lot of questions in high school, mostly things having to do with like morality. Um, and I had questions and the answers I got just didn't satisfy me. And then they all just kind of boiled down to, well, that's just what the church teaches. And that's just what the faith says. And I'm just like, but that still doesn't answer my question. And so I just kind of started to like think for myself in these areas, even though I called myself a Catholic. And the people that I saw as Catholics, they were living lives that were very much the same as people who weren't Catholic. So I just kind of didn't realize that that um, there was such a um, strong difference between what a Catholic life looked like and what a secular life looked like based off of what I was seeing around me. And I just kind of thought that what the church taught on morality was kind of antiquated and just didn't apply. And maybe they were just guidelines that we could just decide whether or not we wanted to follow them. And so basically I was living a non-Catholic life, but calling myself a Catholic. And then, you know, with that comes not going to mass, you know, eventually that just kind of happens, you know. Because that's just one of their old rules. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, I love I love God, and I, I love, you know, Mary, and, you know, I, you know, you say something about, you know, oh, the church, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the church is great, you know, oh, yeah, I like going to church, but how often do I go to church, you know? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, after high school, and you're kind of wandering in your own paradigm of, I guess, relativism. <laughs> All the big words, yeah. right? Um, so, so you went off to college. 
No, I actually, I um, started into the workforce when I was like 15 years old, um, working while I was going to high school. And then so after I graduated, I just continued to work and I went to community college for a long time, <laughs> just taking like one or two classes a semester as they fit in with my um, my job. And yeah, I was just really just a secular person. Um, I had a lot of my ideas about how we treat people and um, things like that. Obviously, those came from whatever formation I did receive as a Catholic. And that did come from like my family, you know, um, the dignity of the human person, although, you know, we didn't use that phrase mm -hmm. or anything. Um, but that still didn't apply to every human person. Um, and there, yeah, I, I just... I found myself in a place where I was dating someone and it was just like a secular relationship and it just, we were together for about, for a long time, maybe about five years and then that, it didn't work out and I was just kind of like devastated. Like I put all my eggs in this basket and it didn't work out and I just don't really know what to do or where to go and I was saying this novena, well, I had um this novena to the miraculous medal that I had actually got this little, you know, pamphlet from my grandma a long time ago. And I pulled it out and I like read the instructions because I didn't know how to do it. I had right. you know, never really done a novena. And I'm like, okay, all right, this is easy. I can do this. And so I read these prayers every day. And on the ninth day, like something like super big happened. And I was just like, okay, yeah, there's no reconciling this relationship at all. I need to go home. I need to go to my back home to my parents. I need to go back home to the church. I just need Jesus because right now that's the only thing that's going to help me is Jesus. And that had never really been like a reaction that I had had before. You know, I need Jesus. But that was the first time I had that reaction. And I just was in this fog of like my whole life was just like crumbling around me or the life that I had built up. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I was just kind of like in this zombie light like state. And I was just, like, I'm just going to go to this church in my neighborhood knock on the door of the office and be like, is there anything for anyone my age? And lo and behold, there was like a lot of things for people <laughs> my age. And I was like, really? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> and so I started going to this Bible study and I met some like really awesome people. And I was like, kind of like a little sketchy about going in there. I'm just like, I don't know if these are going to be like weird nerdy awkward people you know people that hang out at church at my age I know <laughs> and I went and they were like really interesting really like cool like they were like way more interesting than I was like they had all these personal hobbies and they were just like really smart and they were very different from each other but they all like just seemed like they were friends and they were just laughing and joking. And it was just like, it felt like such a free environment. And I was just like, I think I'll be back next week. Like, this is great. And they just all started from there. Do you remember what the Bible study was? I'm just curious. It actually, um, I say it was a Bible study. Technically, it was, it, it was called the JP2 group, which was, um, uh, a group that got together to study the encyclicals of St. John Paul II. At that time, he was Pope John Paul II. Now, I did not know what an encyclical was. I didn't even know that John Paul II had been one of our popes. So, <laughs> I was just there listening, and they would like read, they'd do like this roundtable discussion, they would read and then discuss, and, and even in the first meeting, like 
I felt like this inclination to just like join in the conversation because like something just sparked me and it was just like a like they were really smart but at the same time I didn't feel intimidated you know to just mm-hmm. be like yeah that that makes me wonder about this or think about this I don't remember what it was but at the you know what what exactly we were talking about that at that time but it did um, draw me in definitely and that's that I mean that's not light reading at all no <laughs> not at all oh wow so so you started really making friends and maybe seeing true examples of the catholic faith i mean you're talking about when you were younger the catholics that you were witnessing were not really much different in their actions and choices than the secular persons that you you knew. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, that's such a testimony to how important our witness is as, yes. as Catholics. I mean, I can agree. Um, I, I once made a comment about coming back to the church and I said, no, I want to go back to the Catholic church. Those people aren't even Christians. They don't even act like Christians mm-hmm. because that had been a lot of my experience growing up, right? And, mm-hmm. um, though my dad's a deacon and my mom is a very devout like woman, my parents are very religious now. But um, it, it what I I don't know. I'm dingling. I don't know. But anyway, okay. So back to the witness of these people your age digging into the teachings of the faith, and you were drawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was totally into it. And I was just being invited to one event after another. You know, they would know that I was a new face and they would talk to me and be like, well, you know, kind of like a little bit, what's your story? But, you know, they wouldn't like try to get all up in my business or anything, you know. But um, then by the end of almost every conversation I had, someone was like, oh, well, this church is having this thing, you know, next week. You should come. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I just need to go. And that was definitely the Holy Spirit putting me in this, like, I don't know how to say it. Like, I'll say, like, now when I look back at it, I felt like I was, like, a zombie in my personal life. And the only time I did not feel like I was a zombie was when I was going to these events, you know? And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just like, yeah, you just need to go there and you're going to feel okay when you get there. And so I did. And it was just, it was the Holy Spirit and Mother Mary just, like, guiding me the whole way. Because even at that point, I didn't know Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. I knew Mary, and I could feel the Holy Spirit. Isn't that crazy? Would you, would, you, would you say it was because you were at such a low spot that your pride even was so— you were just so empty of self that the yes. only thing you could do was hear Jesus, feel Jesus, let the Holy Spirit move you? Exactly. That was it. Like I like I felt just numb. Like I didn't have like any of me anymore. And I that was a good thing because the me that I had at that point was, you know, tainted with, you know, mortal sin and everything else that the world has to offer. Um and it just like even the idea of just going back out there and just like picking myself up and you know you know how they say like pick yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. and just keep going like even that idea just seemed like I don't want to go that way like whatever I was doing that felt crappy mm-hmm. you know like even now that I you know at that moment when I was having those like recollections I was just like yeah like I would rather feel kind of numb and just like empty and void of self than to try to do that again you know 
and I think that was definitely a grace, you know, Absolutely. rather and you know, there was no personal pride in the fact of just like, well, I'm just going to try harder this time. I'm just going to, you know, do a little bit more. Um, yeah, there was none of that. It was just like, all right, I tried it that way. It didn't work. I'm up for suggestions, you know, and thank the Lord that I was given enough. I, I had said yes to enough grace to just be like, all right, I'm going to take my suggestions from Our Lady and see what happens. Wow. Okay. Um so I got to ask, at what point or how long were you going to this group and, and starting to hang out with these, these great people that the idea or the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go to confession? When did I, I love the sacrament of confession. It's like, it's just one of my favorite. I hate it and I love it all at the same time mm-hmm. because, you know, pride. And um, but I, I love when people share how the mercy of God through the sacrament of confession just wrecked them and, and pulled them back in. Yeah, it was. Um, OK, so all of this like started happening right at the beginning of Lent. Right. And um, so one of the events that I had been invited to was the Maria Goretti group, which is here in San Diego at Our Lady of the Rosary. And everyone at all of these events I had been going to, they would go there on the first Friday of the month, which is actually today. So, yes. (laughs) um, um, So every first Friday they would have this Goretti mass. And during Lent, what they would do, because normally it was it was like a mass, and then afterwards you'd go for like a teaching in the hall and like social hour and stuff like that. But since it was Lent, they weren't going to be doing um, that same format. Instead, they had mass, and then they had a Stations of the Cross. But the Stations of the Cross that they had, the, um, the meditation and the prayer intention for each station was linked to something having to do with chastity. And... Um, the person who wrote out those meditations and prayer intentions, she's actually one of my one of my closest friends, and she was the um, maid of honor in my wedding. Um, but she wrote them out, and they just like every one of them like spoke directly to my heart and my life, and it was just like just like grace after grace when I you know we went to every single station, and it was just like yes, I used to believe that, and I am totally seeing right now that everything that you're saying is so true. And yes, I need to heal that part of my life. And it was all these different facets of living a life of chastity versus living a life of sin, you know, and I was just like, oh my gosh. And it just totally made me realize that everything that I, because I had felt that, but I hadn't put it together yet, you know, Mm -hmm. that the reason I feel the way that I do is because of a life of sin. And I was just like, oh my gosh this is it. And after that, it was just like, okay, I'm just going to go to confession. And I mean, part of it is my personality. You know, if I see that I'm wrong, I I don't want to be wrong. And so I would rather be right than fight the fact that I'm wrong, you know? So it's just like, okay, I was wrong. Let's fix that. Let's be right as soon as possible. (laughs) Um, So let's go to confession. And that's what I did. And it was just like, yeah. It was it was grace upon grace upon grace. Wow, I mean your story just well. First of all, I um, love the story of Maria Goretti, and I mean, how can you not? Well, it's a it's a horrible mm-hmm. story, but the beauty of 
um, her willing to give her mm-hmm. life rather than to give up her body and her purity is is one that our, our culture just really needs to hear more of. Um, we're, we're, we can be so short-sighted in the right now rather than thinking in the future mm-hmm. and the eternal and the in, internal eternal I'm sorry eternal ramifications of that choice and I don't think Maria Goretti in the moment was thinking well if I allow him to stab me instead of rape me then I might become this great saint you know she, no. was, <laughs> she was just thinking in this moment what is more important and and it, it's just it's hard to kind of wrap my mind around the the willingness to protect yourself in that way um, mm-hmm. and, and to endure physical harm and, and death for it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, saints never think that they're becoming saints. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, they, they just have that in, you know, they're in that, that place in their spiritual life where they've given themselves so much to Jesus that it's Jesus living in them and his truth living in them in those moments. And it's just like, well, this is the truth. And we're just going to stand for the truth and not think of the consequence. Mm-hmm. So after confession, what what did you find really changing in your life? I just felt free. I felt like I was becoming myself. Mm-hmm. And I was being introduced to myself. You know, I had lived like 20 something years already by that point, being someone that I I um that wasn't me. Um, and I, I was finally learning myself and, and learning how to be okay with who I am and what I like and what I don't like. And who cares if, if people that I used to hang out with or, you know, people that I used to go to school with, like, who cares if they don't think or believe what I do? Um, because I, I really have a strong conviction that, that this is the truth. And it there's a, a feeling that comes with being in the truth that I had never experienced anywhere before. And I was like, I'd rather just have this feeling and be alone than be friends with my friends, you know, my previous Mm -hmm. friends anyways. Um, But I just felt free. Yeah, free Mm -hmm. to, to love others and let others love me and not wonder, okay, what are they trying to get out of our friendship, our relationship, um, and just me being able to love people freely as well, like for them to just, it, it really, it was like a, it was more than a culture shift. It was, it was, it was a total paradigm shift. It was just like this idea of people just loving purely and honestly, just because another person is a person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, it was such a culture of of consumerism and, mm-hmm. and and that means we're consuming people too mm-hmm. so um it's hard to live in that world and and honestly it's kind of hard to when you've been kind of pulled back and you're you've been out of that world for so long and you've been around really great people in your everyday life and you haven't really been um, overtaken by the consumerism because you've kind of blocked it out, isolated yourself mm-hmm. from it. And mm-hmm. then when you go back, back into it, it's it's like a slap in the face or it's just, it's stifling. It's, it's mm-hmm. disgusting. And 
And then it's kind of mind-boggling. Seriously, like, you really think that? You really, you you treat somebody that way? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, yeah, you hit it right on the head. Like that that is that you know that was my experience. You know, going to to be around people that I used to you know to be around before coming back to the faith. You know, because you want to like maintain friends and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's just like, yeah, this isn't working. I just don't understand. You know how we're supposed to interact because you're trying to interact with me this way, and that's just not okay. And I'm trying to act interact with you this way, and you know it's just and they not, think you're crazy. Exactly, exactly. And I did have like a few like arguments or fights or people, you know, just like, I don't know what you're doing. You seem totally different. And I'm just like, well, I know that this is the right thing to do. And this is, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. And this is what I'm supposed to be. And if you don't, if you don't understand that, I don't know what else to tell you. (laughs) And like, just, you know, raised voices and everything. But I mean, I'm, I can be passionate at times, you know, no, no anger or or malintent there, but it's just, you know, the passion of, of those conversations. Mm-hmm. It's true. It happens, you know? Yeah. Well, Jesus changes you, period. Mm-hmm. He should change you. They mm-hmm. should not recognize you. If Jesus really got a hold of you, then they they should not recognize you. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a beautiful that, And that's, yeah. Um. Okay. So at, was it about this point that you decided to go to school to to Steubenville or yeah by by this time when I had come back to the faith I, I had already transferred over to a university to finish my bachelor's degree and um, I was um, t- it was a Catholic school um, but it wasn't very Catholic in their teachings. Um, But I had picked up a minor in theology because of all of this. And I was studying, and I remember uh, taking these classes and hearing some of my professors and what they were saying, and I was just like, I don't know about that. Like, it just didn't feel like it was the right thing, you know, like what they were teaching was correct. And I would go back to my friends, and I would talk about what I was learning in class, and I'd have questions, and they'd explain things to me. And then, um, you know, they showed me where I can find resources online, you know, like you can find the catechism online, and it actually says this, and your teacher said the exact opposite. And I'm just like, oh, okay, great. Thanks for telling me. Um, And so it really, it helped to spark that curiosity to want to know the faith, you know, rather than just to return to Jesus. Like, I wanted to know what the church taught. And I had a lot of really, I was made a lot of really smart friends, people who just knew the faith inside and out. And they were helping me to learn things correctly, even if my teachers would um, explain things incorrectly. Um, And so that that was um, something that was just on my heart. And then I was just learning a lot more on my own by that point and I was like I think I want to go and get a master's degree you know and um, a number of the friends that I had met here in San Diego um, they went they had all gone to Steubenville at some point some of them knew each other while they were there but or some of them you know weren't there at the same time and not many of them were actually from San Diego but for whatever reason they kind of migrated and ended up here Um, and so I was like yeah that like what what they have, like their knowledge of the faith and their love of the church and the Lord and prayer. You know, it's not just I love the church and what it teaches. It's they loved to pray. They loved to pray together. They loved to talk about the Lord. And I was like, 
yeah, I want to be around other people who are like that. And so I applied to Franciscan for my master's. Okay. And so we go, we get our master's. And is that maybe where you also picked up a certain significant other? Or no, no, not at all. <laughs> okay, no, I'm still waiting I'm for the love the rare here. <laughs> no, no, no. Theology is good. Romance is great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Like a lot of people, they um they go to Franciscan and they meet their spouse. Uh, for me, I was not really interested in dating. I just wanted. I I just loved the person that I was getting to know. Um which was myself, you know, and I was getting to know myself through getting to know the Lord, like through prayer. And I I wanted to spend my time in prayer. Uh, I wanted to spend my time with Jesus. And um, it was at Franciscan that I learned how to pray in that way and actually got, I became familiar with Jesus as a person. And we created that relationship um, together. And it was, it was, that was just something that I wanted to do. And I had kind of considered, um, religious life, you know, I was discerning it a little bit and it just kind of like didn't seem like, you know, it fit. And I have a friend here who's actually um, a consecrated single through a covenant community. And I was like, maybe that's something that I would like to do because I kind of don't really feel that vibe that I, you know, I need to find someone to get married and have all these babies. That's just not something that I'm like, feel like, again, like, it seemed like the majority of the women that I knew were talking about that. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about that. I want to talk about Jesus. <laughs> um, I'm not really interested in all that. Um, but I discerned that for about a year and that just that wasn't what I was called to. And then I moved back home, started working at Catholic Answers, and I met my husband here at Catholic Answers. Um, and I wasn't even really interested in dating. I figured that like marriage was probably my vocation. And I was like, well, I guess I got a date to find the person I'm supposed <laughs> to marry. <laughs> Good point. And so I did go on a few dates, but there was just nothing that really like, I wanted someone who was going to be like a spiritual leader. And I didn't really feel that from any of the dates I had gone on. And I was like, well, I'm just fine, you know, being by myself if, you know, God wants me to get married. If that's my vocation, I'm not going to like go out and hunt down someone. He's just going to have to bring them to me. And lo and behold, he did. I I was only working at Catholic Answers for maybe not even six months. And my husband worked here, but he worked in the shipping area, which was like secluded and by itself. And you have to have like a key code because that's where all of our inventory was. So like I met him, I knew who he was, but um, we didn't start talking until about maybe about six months later, we both signed up to go to this like safety course um, that Catholic Answers, That's you know, very gave us romantic. permission to do. I know, yeah. safety, right? Mm-hmm. First aid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we were there on the Saturday morning and it, we're on break and he's just sitting up there in the front of the front of the classroom and I'm just like, dude, why are you sitting in the front of the, <laughs> front of the room, you know? Um, and so... It was break time, and I was like, okay, I'm a little bored. Okay, let me, let me talk to this guy, because I at least know who he is. And I was just, like, starting to talk to him, ask him questions. And it turned out that we grew up in the same neighborhood, what? went to the same schools, same <clears throat> parish. We're a couple years apart. Um, but he has, like, three other siblings, and I have a brother who it seems like everybody knows, my brother. And it's just, like, 
None, neither of our families knew each other in any in any way. And it was just like, how is that even possible? Like, we grew up in the same place. Um, and so that, it just, like, intrigued me. And it was just funny because I would just think about him in between, like, because we had these classes, like, every two weeks. And, like, within those two weeks, I would, like, wonder. It was just like, how did this person exist in my sphere of life? And I never ran into them or, like, knew of his family from, like, a distance or anything. Um, and that that was really it for me. It was just, like, I just started wondering about him. And then, like, at every class, we would just talk more. And I don't know. He said that he knew that he wanted to, like, ask me out or something. But it just... He also, he worked a second job on the weekends and at night, so he didn't have a lot of free time. And so he was like, I wanted to ask you out, but I knew I didn't have any availability to ask you out. So I just kind of just waited. And eventually one time we went out to lunch after one of those classes. And then, yeah. And the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it just kind of like went, it just went, like it kind of went fast. And I wasn't really aware of it, you know, that what was going on, which is probably God's design because, you know, he knows me and he knows that I probably would have been like, okay, wait, what's going on here? I need the details. You got to give me a timeline. I need to make sure (laughs) it matches with what I want to do in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So to keep me from doing all that, he just kind of kept me a little preoccupied with my own, my own life, my own goings on. And, um... Yeah, and my husband just kind of like drove the whole thing once we started dating, and then I I did blurt out one day. It was funny. On um, the feast of Saint Joseph was coming up, and I was starting to really like my husband, and I was like, all right, I don't want to have like this emotional attack at someone that if it's not going to work out, I'm going to have to like undo all of this and like heal all of this. So I'd rather just just like cut the cord now if it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Um, so I'm saying this prayer to St. Joseph, this novena leading up to his, um, feast day. And I'm just like, I just want some clarification, just like if it's going to go somewhere, if it's not, you know, um, whereas I think a lot of other women would be like, I just want him to be my husband. Just make him be my husband. (laughs) I'm like, that's not me, man. Um, and so we do the novena and then we go out to dinner actually um it was my brother's birthday and so he had come out with us to go to dinner for my brother's birthday and afterwards we're talking and it's kind of late and we're sitting at the table in my parents house afterward it's just him and i and i'm tired and my filter you know diminishes with every (laughs) 15 minutes that passes on the clock and i just blurt out and i was like what are we doing and he's just like what i'm like yeah like with us like what are we doing are we like are we dating exclusively are we just getting to know each other are we going to be friends like i you know he goes well i thought that we were more than that and i'm just like what do you mean he goes well like like more than just boyfriend and girlfriend and in my mind i'm like what he thinks he's courting me he didn't ask my permission what's going on (laughs) but yeah i was like oh okay and then it just like felt like super peaceful and I was like yeah I think this is what I'm supposed to do and um yeah so we were recording for a couple months I think maybe five months or so and then he proposed and I was like whoa what five (laughs) months like I need some more time (laughs) but yeah that's how the Lord seems to work for me like with the big things that I would like really want to drag my heels on and just 
the Lord just kind of pushes them along without me knowing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Excuse me. So, so y'all dated for about five months before we got engaged. Okay, that's so yeah. And then fun. we were engaged for nine months. I know the shortest know. amount it's of time crazy. possible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He was like, I just want to get married as soon as possible. And I was just like, uh, okay, That's I think so. <laughs> but it was it was a great time, really. I felt very free in our dating and our courting and in our engagement. And it was just like my prayer while, through the whole thing, you know, like every day I would give him back to the Lord. Like, thank you for the gift of Gary and who he is and how he treats me and all of the graces he's brought to my life. Teach me to love him the way that you love him. Like I wanted to love him purely. I didn't want to love him um, and make him like, like, like my God, you know, like the person who has the solutions to all of my problems or the person who brings me, you know, all of the things that I need. Cause I still wanted to focus on the Lord. Like I wanted the Lord to be my Lord. And I was like, okay, I don't want to love my husband or he wasn't my husband at the time like but I didn't want to love him disproportionately Mm -hmm. and so every day I would just give him back to the Lord and be like he is yours and I give him back to you if you bring him back to me tomorrow thank you and teach me how to love him purely Mm. and so it was just like every day I reminded myself that he is not mine you know in that way like he's not my possession he's not here to cater to me to give me things to make my life perfect like that's not what he's here for and if we go through with this and we do say our vows on our wedding day he is with me so that i could help get him to heaven and he can help me to get to heaven and that was something that we talked about a lot throughout our engagement which is impressive because it's just so lost i know I definitely didn't go through engagement or dating that way. I, it was always about what they could do for me. And again, it goes back to that idea of consumerism and, you know, what can you do for me? The selfish type of love. Um, I shouldn't even call it love. It's just selfishness and, and um, greed and all those other unfortunate vices. <laughs> yeah, but you see, for me, it was like I had been there and I had done that mm-hmm. already. You know, in my life. And it was it was horrible. Like, it took me a very long time to heal all of that. It was probably about maybe seven years before I ended up getting married. Wow. You know, like, and there was like lots of therapy that I had to go through. And it was just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to do any of that ever again. It was just horrible. Like, I could feel like how detrimental it was on my soul and my person and my well-being. And just the fact that I could have done any of those things myself to another person was just like, yeah, I don't ever want to treat another person that way ever again. You know, so it's just like you live and you learn. And unfortunately, I had to learn all these hard things the hard way. Um, but because of that, and my husband, he he had never dated before. I mean, not really. Like, there were some girls that he would kind of, like, hang out with here and there. But he had never had a girlfriend and thankfully was much more pure than I was. And it was um, obviously, you know, by God's design that, like... <laughs> He, he kept us the way, I mean, obviously it wasn't God's design that I had like muddied my, mm. you know, my, myself previously, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but 
he knew that that would be the type of person that it would like it would take that for me to like trust and just to be to trust that that he would not um fall into what you know we're labeling today in this conversation which i love as like that consumerism type of relationship mm-hmm. and i just saw that yeah he gets it and i just want to like spell it out and explain it the way i'm thinking about it to make sure that like we're on the same page and he was like yeah that's totally what i think that's totally what i want i was just like all right wow I didn't think I'd ever find someone like that. Well, and that's actually what I'm sitting here thinking of. I I wonder, only because I I have walked that same lifestyle and I've I've walked those same choices. And um, I just wonder if you would have thought, I'm not really worthy of something so pure and so beautiful and and, and such a gift, uh, a rare gift rare gift um but the lord said you are worthy and and this is the gift i have for you yeah that is a struggle that i hear a lot from people um i did not have that same affliction thankfully i it's i've seen people struggle with that cross like battling with that lie a lot um but in my time getting to know the Lord previously and in our relationship, like we had gone over a lot together, the Lord and I, um, just about who I was as a child of God, who I am as a daughter, what that means, um, what His mercy is, what it looks like, what it feels like, how true it is. Um, and so I had spent like a lot of time for, you know, a handful of years just praying and just learning the truth and through that as well as through catholic counseling um believing the truth you know believing that that i i am a child of god and as a child of god i am worthy of of the gift that he wants to give me which is the glory of heaven and he wants to give that to me regardless of what i've done and who i've been um and i just have to say yes to that and say yes to the life that that is required of of the of those gifts and i and i did that like every day i would do that and um i think maybe it was just a grace um that i was given because like like i said i know a lot of people that do struggle with that cross um of thinking that they're not worthy um but thankfully, that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't something I struggled with. I did, however, I, I saw the magnitude of like, wow, I, th- this person is like super like clean and pure and and like I don't want to sully them with my, you know, um, any, you know, anything. And it was just like I saw that what a big responsibility it was for me, um, even though I believe, you know, like a husband is the leader of a family. He's the spiritual leader of a family. I still saw my role in helping him lead by me being submissive to him and me letting him take the lead or me prompting him to take the lead if he wasn't um, feeling up to that or comfortable with that because I I kind of have a little bit of a strong personality. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my husband's very phlegmatic. I'm melancholic. 
a little bit choleric and he's phlegmatic sanguine like all the way so like I had to learn how to just step back and just let him grow into his role um and I had to learn how to grow into mine not diminish into mine by any means but to grow into it and there's there's a lot of uh, freedom in that as well um but yeah, I, I saw that I really I have a, a very important job here. Um, and I wonder if it's similar to how parents feel when they have newborn babies, you know, and they're just looking at them and they're just like, I'm responsible to help this person <laughs> become a great person that lives out the faith and can go on, you know, once my my parenting time is done and, and they can they can follow the Lord and become saints themselves mm-hmm. I, I don't know maybe it's similar i'm not sure yeah i'm w- if you have the proper understanding of the vocation of marriage and what family is is designed for and our one you know one of our purposes our main purpose is to get each other to heaven and mm-hmm. um but you know honestly i don't know how many people really get that i know i didn't get that until we came back to the church and then mm-hmm. uh, then I realized and you know some of the the decisions we made while um, we were walking in our um, Protestant paradigm um, we we probably wouldn't have made some of the same choices had we been formed in our, the Catholic faith and the teaching on family but also, we would have just raised our kids differently. We we would have looked at our kids differently, not as so much as a burden, but as mm-hmm. as that gift and that blessing. And um, I, we, I guess we always knew that our kids were not quote unquote ours, uh, mm-hmm. that they were the Lord's. But um, I don't know. I I can say without a shadow of a doubt, we raise our children differently, um, walking in our Catholic faith than we did in our mm-hmm. in our Protestant faiths faith traditions because you know we didn't just hang out in one faith tradition (laughs) yeah um i think that that your story is beautiful and i don't know if you've ever really shared it in that format and as a as a podcast host no you, you you typically don't give your whole story like that um, so I hope that some of your listeners will even be blessed to hear your story really, really shared in a, in a beautiful way. And I hope my listeners are blessed by it. Even more, I think that this conversation is really important for some of our younger, um, not younger listeners, but maybe some older teens who can handle mm-hmm. the context um, of the story because you walked in the path of moving away from who you were meant to be and the pain and honestly the years it took and what a blessing that you did walk through that healing seven years. I mean, that's a long time, but it is a, it is a beautiful amount of time to, to truly heal yourself so that you are ready Mm -hmm. for marriage yeah, because t- yeah, it was- man, walking in that marriage with with brokenness and wounds that are deep that haven't been healed is it makes marriage a little more difficult. Oh yeah, I can I can totally imagine and and the healing it wasn't something and and I say this because I think 
some people, they look as like the healing process as something that they just want to get done so they can move on to the next thing. But like when you're healing with the Lord, that itself is an event. It's it's a falling in love, like really to be truly healed by the Lord, you need to like surrender your heart the way that you would surrender your heart to, you know, the man or the woman that you are falling in love with. You know, you have to, you fall in love with the Lord and it's, it's not, I think you do it a big disservice and yourself um, by just thinking of it as something that you just need to get out of the way so you can move on to your <laughs> vocation to what you need to do because I mean really like I said like I wasn't even like super interested in getting married (laughs) I was really enjoying my time with the Lord and um and I I I was comfortable staying there as long as I needed to stay there as long as I actually I probably would have stayed there longer if my husband hadn't have been so you know like he knew you know, he knew what the Lord was calling him to do, and that was just to, you know, get in there and swoop me up before <laughs> I knew what was going on. Um, but yeah, and like even in marriage, it's um, we talk about things all the time. Like I bring up things, or if something reminds me of a previous hurt or a previous wound or something like that, like we'll talk about it, and and. You know, that's it. And he's really understanding, you know, um, I'm very blessed with that. But I think like any man who's like in love, he's they, they can they can be understanding. You know, it's something that they can all do. Um, and I know he loves to do it because he knows that it's helping us. Like we have our goal in life as a married couple, and that is to help each other to become saints. And if we're blessed with children, to help them to become saints as much as we can during our time parenting them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, I was going to say something and it just slipped my mind. Oh, oh, so sorry. No, it's fine. I mean, it literally, I said, um, and it was there and then it was gone. Just <sighs> in a blip. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see if I can pull it back. No, probably not. Well, I, I really do hope that your story touches someone and and pulls them back home into the mercy of of the Lord. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Healing really is the process of sanctification because it's becoming whole. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Holiness, mm-hmm. sanctified, it's all the same. Okay, so I want to definitely give your podcast a plug because what I think is so fantastic is that well, first of all, they're shorter than mine tend to be, <laughs> which is great, which is great because you can catch a quick um, little lesson. But you're very instructional. You have quite a bit of knowledge. I was uh, as I was telling you earlier, I've absolutely learned stuff from you, and you do have a deep spirituality. It's very obvious whenever you're when whenever someone is listening. So um, oh, that's great. I want to encourage my listeners when you're trying to fill in the gaps because Becky can't push out a podcast except for every two weeks. And sometimes I even fail on that one. But um, your podcast is definitely a great way to fill our hearts and our minds. And I, I definitely want to encourage them to, to take a listen. And you have what? I think I saw 42 or something episodes. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I've lost count myself. I just realized that um, I've been doing this for a year and there were a couple of weeks where I took off here and there. Um, so yeah, not quite 52. Um, that's how many weeks there are in a year, right? 52 weeks? There are. Yes. We're going to go with that. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's like basically about a year's worth of episodes, one a week. Yeah. And I like to keep them short because I don't like to sit for very long and listen to things. And like, I like to multitask and listen, but I find that when I do that, I lose, mm-hmm. you know, chunks of what I'm hearing, you know? So like, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to think about myself here when I'm recording. I'm like, Hey, what would be reasonable for me to listen to? Exactly. So yeah, I keep them short. And you said they're practical and that's something I, I really make it a point to do. It's like the spiritual life is something that needs to be practiced and I'm giving like apologetic information. So I'm explaining the faith and I'm defending the faith, um, mostly explaining and teaching things about the faith, but not just so that people can know it, but because it's important to your spiritual life, the things that we believe, all of these um ideas maybe that they they just might seem like they're out there floating you know in space like oh that's great the church believes this and the church believes that but like when you think about it yourself you meditate on it and you make it part of your spiritual life and you you know adopt practices that help you to grow in relationship with the trinity with the saints with your neighbors um and just to become who you're supposed to be that's my focus it's just like everyone everyone is like created so amazingly and like people are intended to be saints i mean i don't know i know how how else to say that but like when someone's a saint it's just like all the gifts and talents and treasures that they gave that god gave them are just set on fire and it's just like a magnificent sight to behold you know and i i want to see everyone walking around that way i mean it glorifies the lord but then it's just like it's also a pleasure for me because it's like they have gifts and talents that I don't have. And it's just like, you know, sitting back and watching like this great like fireworks show or something. And you're just like in awe. And like every person that I encounter, I want to be in that kind of awe. And in the Catholic faith, it's just so easy. You know, if you just learn a little bit, apply it to your life, make time in in your day to pray and to just like adapt that and make that part of you then you will be that force that God has created you to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and you do do apologetics, but it's not just apologetics. It is definitely you, there. You do go into the spiritual life and formation mm-hmm. and prayer. So I don't think we've even named your podcast yet. <laughs> hmm, we're just going to make y'all go on a scavenger hunt to go find. I'm just kidding. I will obviously link it in the show notes, but we shall tell um, our listeners who uh, the name of your podcast. It's Clumsy Theosis. Uh, theosis is T-H-E-O-S-I-S. Um, it's a Greek word for what in the West, we would probably call, well, you will find it in the catechism under deification. It's the process of becoming like God, which is the process of sanctification, of becoming holy. Um, it's what we were created to do, and that's what the podcast is about. It's helping people to enrich their spiritual life and to own their relationship with the Lord. That's very important 
for me, for people to own their relationship with the Lord. It's not just something that they do on Sunday or when they just decide that they want to talk to God in prayer, but to just to really own that relationship. And um, and in doing so, they strengthen the church and they become that witness that we were talking about earlier, you know, just by like living a life that's fully alive in the glory of God and just like letting all your gifts and all of that just be enlivened by the Lord and His grace will make you fully alive. And that witness is something that I encountered when I met that group of friends through the JP2 group and then through all the subsequent events that I had gone to because of their promptings. And there's just like people that were just, they're fully alive. They're on they're on this, this path, this process of becoming fully alive and I just wanted it. And I think if we all do that as Catholics, it's just, you know, the, the whole world should become Catholic. Like just seeing that everybody would want what we have. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your witness. Thank you for being willing to put your introverted self in front of a microphone and do so. <laughs> um, Clumsy Theosis is a production of Catholic Answers, correct? Yes. Yes. And so we know that it's coming from a good source. They wouldn't let her talk on a microphone if she wasn't. No, they would not. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, cut that one. No, she's great. And um, and no, I really do appreciate what you're doing and and stepping outside of probably your comfort zone a little bit. And um and just put yeah, it's all for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, thank That's you. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's right, right when you don't want to do it. But uh, exactly, it, it does. It does keep you going when things are tough. Um, you know, sometimes you just want to quit, and mm-hmm. and when you put it for an, a work of the Lord for the Lord and for His children. It's kind of hard to say no. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I really do appreciate you sharing with us. And I hope people go find you and your podcast and, of course, Catholic Answers. It's always been, um, I've always enjoyed doing um, stuff with Catholic Answers. They're, they're a real benefit and, and blessing. I know they've enriched my coming home. So, um, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad. Thank you for having me. It was great. Um, didn't expect our conversation to turn out the way it did, but I'm glad that it did. And I, I, I'm I'm hopeful, just as you are, that it will be um, a benefit and to help others be fruitful. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Thriving in the Trenches. I have hope that it will have encouraged you in your journey and that you will know the love of God even more intimately. Please share this podcast with a friend on your social media pages, or leave a review in iTunes. You are welcome to join me on our Instagram or Facebook group where we can grow in friendships. Thanks for coming. It's so much more than just a profile picture. At Catholic Singles, our platform offers you many opportunities to get to know the person behind the picture. Sign up today at catholicsingles.com. Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at caneford.com.